How many of you are golfers? Any golfers out there? I'm sure we probably have a lot of hands up for those who are worshiping with us down in Florida and Arizona. <laughs> but even if you're not a golfer, you've probably heard of the term a mulligan. <clears throat> a mulligan is a do-over. You swing mightily at your tee shot and, and you just manage to nick the top of the ball and it goes plop and rolls three inches. And you say, I'm going to take a mulligan on that one. And you tee it up again and you do it over. Everybody loves to take mulligans. We want a chance to redo the things that we've messed up. However, not everyone is so willing to grant a mulligan when somebody else messes up. Then we want to go strictly by the rules. And especially if there's money on, on the line. No mulligans. It's amazing how our attitude changes when someone else needs a do-over. This past month, we have been celebrating all the ways that God grants us mulligans, all the way that, that God has given us second and third and even 2,022nd chances for do-overs. And we are grateful for that. But are we willing to grant mulligans to someone else? Are we willing to give others another chance? A number of years ago, in one of my churches, we had a Wednesday afternoon program for kids. And uh, it was a joint program with the Lutheran church across the street, and we'd wind up uh, having dinner at the, the Methodist church. And there were some kids that were, well, they're, they're a little bit of discipline problems. And so... Finally, the leader said, I know, we'll get the kids together and we'll, we'll work out a covenant. We'll talk about the kind of behaviors that we want in our group and then what the punishments will be if somebody messes up. And uh, I was a little worried because I, I thought, you know, the, the kids are just going to go too easy on, uh, on these troublemakers and then we'll never solve the problem. But I didn't have to worry because those kids were ruthless. I mean, there was no second or third chances. One strike and you are out forever banned from coming again. The leader had to, to take a, a little bit of time and kind of go into uh, some of the biblical principles about forgiveness and, and all of that before they finally agreed um, that with the first strike, they could come back after they were suspended for two weeks and then apologized to their pastor and to the other kids. You know, we, we all want mulligans except for others. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is talking about how to deal with conflict in the church and Peter cuts right to the chase. He says, okay, Jesus, how many chances do I have to give my brother and sister, who've done something against me. Two, three, as many as seven times? And Jesus replies, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Because it'll also be translated seven times 70. Or we could say even 2022. See, the point is that it's not about the math. 
It's beyond a number that we could come up with. It's do we have the heart of forgiveness? Jesus is saying there is no limit to God's forgiveness and there should be no limit to ours. And he tells this parable. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, 10,000 talents literally, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And it's an impossible debt. The actual number there, 10,000 talents, is, is so large that if you took an average person's salary every year from the time that, that humans first existed till now, you would not reach the amount of that debt. It's an impossible debt. So what does the king do? At this, the servant felt on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Yeah, right. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Just like that, the impossible debt is canceled. He's got another chance. Isn't it great when we get another chance? And if the parable ended here, this would have been the perfect parable for all of last month's sermons, where we talked about the chances that God gives us, how God gives us 2,022 chances or more when we've screwed up, and how God gives us 2,022 chances and more when life has screwed us over, and 2,022 chances uh, or more when we've given up, and 2,022 chances or more when we've run away from God. God is always giving us mulligans, do-overs, fresh starts, second, third, 2,022nd chances. Chances to do it over again. But this parable's not over, and it takes a really dark turn. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. It's a mulligan for him, but it's prison for the guy who owes him a hundred bucks. We love it when God gives us fresh starts. We're thrilled when our debts are forgiven. But when it comes to others, are we like this guy? Do we demand the hundred coins from someone else or for, while forgetting about all that we have been forgiven? Are we like Peter wondering, how many times do I have to forgive that brother or sister of mine? As many as seven times? Can't we have a three strikes you're out rule? Or better yet, how about a no mulligans rule? That's what Peter would really like. One of my guilty pleasures is, is reading the advice columnists in the paper online. You know, it used to be Dear Abby and Ann Landers, and now it's uh, Dear Prudence and Carolyn Hacks and things like that. See, the, 
As a pastor, I get asked a lot of these same kind of questions that uh, the people are writing into these vice, advice columnists. And so it's, it's just interesting to see what, uh, what advice they get in these situations. And lately I've noticed that a lot of, of the people are writing in to ask a variation of Peter's question. When can I give up on my brother or sister? How many times do I have to forgive them before I can just write them off? Here's one. My sister belongs to a church that believes in modest dress. I'm getting married and she's one of the bridesmaids. I chose a very summery dress for the bridesmaids, sleeveless and short above the knees. My sister asked that she could wear something different or if she could wear tights under her dress. And I told her, it's her duty as a bridesmaid to wear what I want her to wear. She suggested perhaps that somebody could sew sleeves on the dress or that she could wear a cardigan over it. She won't do what I want, so I kicked her out of the wedding party. My family's upset with me, but don't you think that I was justified? Now I can expect uh, that next week there'll be another letter, and this one from the sister. My sister kicked me out of her wedding because I wouldn't wear the dress she wanted. I can never forgive her for this. Do you think I'm justified in not talking to her ever again? And speaking of talking, how about this one? This person writes in that as I was growing up, my mom was an alcoholic. She divorced my dad and married my alcoholic stepfather. She missed out on a lot of my, my stuff because she was drunk. A few years ago, she divorced my stepfather and got sober. And she issued some lame apology for whatever she did that hurt me. Now she calls all the time and wants to talk and have a better relationship. How do I tell her that she's had all the chances that she's going to get and that our relationship is never going to get any better? Or how about this one strike you're out person? I just got married before Christmas and I'm hoping to be divorced by the end of January. <laughs> she writes that she didn't really care what they did for the wedding, but she told him her her groom that she didn't want him to smash cake into her face i don't know if you've seen that at weddings you know uh, that uh, cut the wedding cake and then you feed each other and it, i i don't know why they do that but she didn't want it and technically he didn't he did not smash cake into her face he smashed her face into the cake everyone laughed but she left. And the next day she told him, we're done. And the thing is that everybody is now telling her she should give him another chance. But I don't want to, she says. The man in the parable didn't want to either. He wanted his hundred coins. No second chances. No mulligans. And the other workers were outraged. He had been forgiven so much but he treated his co-workers so poorly. They report him to, to the boss, to the king. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? just as I had on you? 
In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It sounds like one of those advice columns right up to that last sentence until Jesus says, this is how my heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. God takes forgiveness seriously. God is all about the mulligans. And the only thing that stands in the way of 2,022 chances or more for us is our refusal to give someone else another chance. And in case this parable isn't clear enough, the Bible repeats it over and over again. Like in Mark 11, verse 25, Jesus says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Or Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then, of course, there's the Lord's Prayer, Luke 11.4. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us. God is all about the mulligans. And if we're willing to take mulligans, we need to be willing to let others take them too. Because, you know, it really doesn't cost us that much to forgive. But it costs God everything. More than 100,000 lifetimes has it cost God his son, Jesus who went to the cross for us to give us that mulligan, the righteous for the unrighteous, to wipe the slate clean and give us a new start. And the only thing standing between you and me and a new start may be our unwillingness to forgive. Now I said forgiveness doesn't cost us much, but that doesn't mean it's easy doesn't mean it's easy. Yet with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can even do what is difficult and hard. Last month, uh, Nike executive Larry Miller released his autobiography. It's called Jump. My Secret Journey from the Street to the Boardroom. Larry is vice president of Nike's basketball division. He was previously president of the Portland Trailblazers NBA team, and he's made millions over the years in the business world. But in his book, Larry reveals that as a teenager, he was a part of the Cedar Street Gang in Philadelphia. And one day, after one of the other gang, gang members had been stabbed to death, in his anger, he grabbed a gun and we, he went out looking for someone to kill. He came across Edward David White. And Edward... White left behind an eight-month-old son and a pregnant fiancé. Larry was sent to prison for four and a half years for that, and he spent another five years for a burglary conviction. And during that time, he studied to get a business degree from Temple University. And he went on to have that career that I just described. 
And no one really put the pieces together until he released this book. No one realized that 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 teen who had shot Ed White was actually Larry Miller. When he revealed it in his book, White's family were blindsided. They were blindsided for two reasons. First, that, that Larry was the murderer. And second, that he would publish a book revealing all of this without talking to them first. Because it wasn't until the book was being published that Larry actually went to them to seek their forgiveness. Now what would you do? If you were, were Ed White's sister, Barb, or, or his two kids who never got a chance to know their father, what would you do if their murderer came to you seeking forgiveness? Barb said if she'd been 30 years younger, she would have come across the table at him. But she said that that day, she chose to forgive him. Because if I don't forgive him, God wouldn't forgive me, she said. White's children also forgave him, the man who killed their father. Larry is establishing a foundation in Ed White's name, and, and he's also sought God's forgiveness as well. And God has given him another chance. We've all been given another chance by God. 2,022 or more chances. Are we willing to give others a second or third or seventh or seven times, seventieth time? Are we willing to let others take a mulligan too? I don't think anybody really wants to live in a world where there aren't mulligans. We think we want to play strictly by the rules. I don't think that's a very happy place to be. And I know it makes golf a whole lot harder. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that, that you're willing to give us second and third and 2,022nd chances. We are grateful for all the ways in which you have let us take a mulligan. But you expect us to do that in return to other people. And that's hard. It's difficult. So we pray that that what we may not be able to do on our own, we can do through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, if there is someone who has hurt us, maybe in the distant past, or maybe just this morning, we pray, Lord, that you would allow us to forgive them, to grant them a mulligan. Lord, may we ever be grateful for the chances that we've gotten through Jesus Christ.